Empire of the Sun. Suns. Empire of the Suns. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast. Empire of the Suns. Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kellen Olson, joined as always by Kevin Zimmerman. Hi, Kevin. Uh, you good? Is today more calm than yesterday? Um, no one's getting fired yet. Yeah, I, I wish people kept giving me hundreds of millions of dollars when something's clearly wrong with me, like Carlos Correa, but not everyone can be Carlos Correa, is what I'm learning. Uh, but I'm good. What's up? You could be Cliff Kingsbury. Um, Oops. Similar, similar. <laughs> getting paid millions of dollars to wait until the right OC job pops up. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's also that's also cool. Uh, okay, we we tried to avoid we we bounced to two other sports in rapid succession just to be just to not really touch on it. But we'll, we're going there. Here we go. Uh, Phoenix Suns <laughs> basketball. They are twenty and twenty one. Kevin, uh, they have lost nine of their last ten games. They've lost six straight. They have lost 14 of their last 18 games. They are now, uh, and we are recording this on Tuesday afternoon. I think we are going to see quite a lot of movement. Uh, Standings updates are only going to treat everyone so well uh, on the podcast because right now there is only a half game separating 6th and 10th in in the standings right now. The Suns are currently in a three-way tie with the Timberwolves and Trailblazers for eight, nine, and ten. Those are the last three playing spots. And then a game behind them are the Utah Jazz. And don't look now, Kevin, the Los Angeles Lakers. Ooh. Uh, no one talking about the still here Oklahoma City Thunder at 18 and 22. We're just waiting for the oh, Shea's knee is sore for a month thing that always happens. Cause don't they do this every year, Kevin? They're like five hundred for forty games near it and then they, they sh- just they should go for it ah uh, yeah i mean this is crazy i'm counting it takes a while to count this many teams but it's eight teams within two games did you just say that i don't know okay so they were 19 and 24 two years ago the the oklahoma city thunder were and then okay. last year was a bit more aggressive they were not really anywhere around there. They were, they were 12 and 20 at one point, And then they lost like a million games. And all of a sudden they were like 17 and 39. So not so much last year, but two years ago, more of what I'm talking about the movement of the standings to kind of update on. Uh, I, I think the main thing we're seeing Kevin finally is, is a team separate themselves at the top. Uh, and it is two of them. It is the Denver nuggets and the Memphis Grizzlies who, Hey, guess what, Kevin, the Suns get to play both of them uh, later this week. Denver Nuggets and Grizzlies are both 27 and 13. They are both eight and two in their last 10 games. Memphis has won uh, seven straight. And then New Orleans is at 25 and 16, two and a half games back of those two teams. The Mavericks have kind of stumbled onto something. And by something, Kevin, I mean Luka Doncic playing out of his freaking mind. They are 23 and 18. And wouldn't you look at it, Kev, the Sacramento Kings, fifth in the Western Conference, 21 and 18, uh, five and a half games back of the first seed. And then that is. Sort of the separation, I would say, right now. I think it's clear that the Nuggets, Grizzlies, and Pelicans right now, at least, are going to be the cream of the crop unless one of them really drops off here in the second half of the season. And then it's going to be four through, I'm willing to throw in 13. I'm willing to throw in OKC in there until they drop off. Four through 13, who who really knows here? It's just that 
right now, Dallas is the team playing great basketball. Everyone else has been kind of 500 lately amongst that group, uh, excluding the Timberwolves and Lakers who got hot recently. But then again, the Timberwolves have won four in a row and they're four and six in their last 10 games. So they were coming off of a six game losing streak. Uh, We last podcasted Kevin and did like a state of the team kind of thing because they came off three duds against the Wizards, Raptors and Knicks. That is less of the story now, Kevin. It is more of everyone is injured on this team. Uh, They lost three more games. Uh, They lost at Cleveland 90 to 88. That was one of their best efforts of the year so far. A a few of our listeners kind of tweeted at me and said, did did Chris Paul hear you call him bad at defense this year? Because he specifically looked motivated in that game. He had 25 points, eight assists. We're Joking, of course, on that front, but he he looked great in that game. And then they play home against Miami and Cleveland. They lose both of those games. I think uh, both of those, again, were were solid efforts for the most part, but they just weren't really able to put enough together. They have failed to score 100 points for four straight games now. And the notable thing in the Miami game was that Chris Paul played 12 minutes. He left with, he left with right hip soreness. Uh, he did not play against Cleveland on Sunday. And uh, via Dwayne Rankin of the uh, the Arizona Republic words, he is not traveling with the team as of right now. They've got a back-to-back that starts tonight in the Bay against Golden State and then tomorrow against Denver. Then they fly sort of across the country pretty much to Minnesota in the northern part of the country. And then they play in Memphis on Monday. Maybe Chris Paul could catch up with them then. The other thing that happened on the injury front, Kevin, is that campaign re-injured uh, his his right foot, uh, I believe, in the Cleveland game, and he is going to be reevaluated in two weeks. So that would put him out until the homestand kind of starts again in uh, mid to late January. Then, Kevin, I gotta <laughs> keep talking because there's more injuries. DeAndre Ayton has been ruled out for today's game against the Warriors. That is via Dwayne Rankin, Tory Craig and Landry Shamit are both questionable for tonight's game. So that is no Devin Booker, Chris Paul campaign, Jay Crowder or Cam Johnson or Deandre Ayton, Tory Craig and Landry Shamit are both questionable. The one thing I'll say on these games, Kevin, is that the benefit of seeing these guys up close and in person, um, sure. It, it helps to be in like the locker room and stuff and, and see guys limping around or whatever, but just watching them, even on the court up, up in, up in uh in person you can just really see that some of these guys were playing through stuff i think tory and landry were two guys that stuck out specifically so i'm not surprised at all to see them pop up on the injury report finally but uh they they are really going through it and it's not just the fact of the guys that are out right now some of the guys that were in uh are are playing through stuff as well they're in a really rough spot they're basically eight guys at the top of their rotation except for Mikel Bridges. That's the, I think that's an accurate thing to say. Um, if we include Jay Crowder in that, but that's, yeah, that's a <laughs> pretty big injury deficit where you're at without eight of your top nine players that are legit, the rotation guys. So that's where we are. Um, I think it's hard to judge much from these last few games because of that. And, and to me, like you'll say the defense was was poor bef- before this injury stretch really and they've kind of answered that with effort at least but then when you scored 88 points against Cleveland which maybe you can correct me if i'm wrong was their best defensive performance um they were just locked in 
and, and you don't get that win because you just don't have enough firepower. Chris Paul, that's the 25 point game where he looked good, but they just don't have enough right now. So I, I think just everything going over what we said about the standings, man, if you can tread water with this crew for as long as possible, then you're going to be in decent shape. Um, but I, I think, I think like if you want to look at it positively, maybe there are four teams stopping with the Mavericks where it's like, okay, these teams look like they're good for the playoffs. Um, after that, that's actually a lot of spots left to say playoffs or play in the Suns have time to bide their, well, they can bide time right now, as long as they kind of hang in this big group of middle 500 teams that won't pull away from one another. So if you eventually get healthy, you go on a run at the end of the season, you could legit be like the fifth seed even, and then you're in a good spot for the first round and that kind of thing. So I think that's kind of honestly what a realistic evaluation of this is. And is that optimal? No, but um, to not be doom and gloom completely, um, that's kind of where they are. Yeah, they they are getting every. I think the the hope now, and again, we we really hit on this, and I really hit on this in the last two weeks. Of I'm not really concerned about wins and losses over January. I was more concerned about them just getting on the right track from a basketball perspective because the the way in which they lost those games against the Wizards, Raptors, and Knicks, and then we we went on the on the big spiel. If you're listening and you didn't listen to last week's episode, you should because. It, that was not so much doom and gloom, just reality and just kind of checking where this team is and really looking at short-term, long-term picture. We'll still get into that stuff a little bit here, uh, but it, the effort against Cleveland twice and then Miami was back on track with where they need to be. And once they start to get some of these guys back, if they keep that effort up and they kind of are able to channel that over the rest of this month and the rest of the season, they're going to be fine. Now, if we start to see more results again, like the ones that we mentioned last podcast that were the majority of their losses that were just really bad, then they're going to be in, in trouble. Now, I, I do think that this is a tough back-to-back to say that, Kevin, because half their roster is out and teams like Golden State and, and Denver, especially in Denver, is going to be looking forward to the opportunity to really make a statement against a weaker Suns team, a shorthanded Suns team, I would like to think at least, which is the the history between those two teams. Minnesota is another one where you'll remember the Carl Anthony Towns two small game with Jay Crowder. That was, I believe, the last game that the Suns, uh, excuse me, they played in Minnesota earlier this year. But that was like one of the signature wins, road wins they had of the year last year. And then, of course, the last time they played at Memphis, Kevin, they beat Memphis. So all four of these games are are going to be tough in terms of I'm going to be grading on a curve, certainly. Like if they get blown out in these games just because the other team is really trying to not leave anything in doubt, then it, it is what it is. But hey, Cleveland, for example, on Sunday, yes, that was sort of a the good team turns it on in the fourth quarter game, but also Cleveland allowed them the opportunity to be in the game and they were able to be in the game for three quarters. And it sounds like we're giving out moral victories and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, Kevin, I am. <laughs> because that's where we're at right now. I'm sorry. I'm not apologizing for giving out moral victories for this team because they need to be, for as much as we criticize them, I don't think you can just look at it as black and white as wins and losses right now. 
with how <clears throat> extremely shorthanded that they are because one of the, one of the big problems that they've got Kevin is that Dwayne Washington Jr is the guy that has to do everything now for them offensively and, and not necessarily on I, I think do everything is the wrong way to phrase it but he is in a position where he is the the best shot creator on the team right now with with who's healthy and who's not and it puts them in this really bad spot because defensively he's kind of all over the place still he's a second year player he's 22 years old thrusting someone like him specifically into a winning team like this it, it it puts him in a tough spot defensively and i think that's why we've been monty b so um here and there with with Dwayne's minutes but he's got to play now and and it's it's just this this battle that they've got to find and and what started happening kevin is in the cleveland game especially we i thought we saw deandre and Mikel starting to settle into their roles a bit a bit better than they had been in the last couple of weeks and and then deandre gets hurt so it it they just really the luck for them has really not been there. You, like you can look at it and say, yes, injuries they they come for every team and stuff. We were there about three injuries ago. This is pretty ridiculous now. Yeah, and like we can talk about whether they should go after ten day guys or whatever, but I mean they have enough bodies, which is the weird thing. I mean tonight they might not. Um, but I don't know if 10 day guys is going to solve it because what you really need is like, is there a dude who's scoring like 50 points a game out in China or something who wants to come over for 10 days? I don't know if that happens that often just to give them like some juice and throw them in there for like 15, 20 minutes per game, just to give them a little offensive boost. I don't know what else you need really, because I think like you said, the big, crux of this whole issue of them playing badly um before the injuries really really started to hit was the defense and there again there are signs that that's getting at least fixed from an effort communication standpoint um and then you can worry about the offense so i don't know what they can do right now trade deadline i do you think this changes i guess the how you attack the trade deadline because it's not like I guess we know the answer of like what they need. We've been talking about it over and over and over. Um, but do you think this changes at all how they're going to change the trade deadline attack? I, I don't think so. Yeah, first, I agree with you on the 10 days and, and that kind of thing. I think there are people that disagree with you, especially with the open roster spot. <laughs> but using this and maximizing the time for the guys on their roster that are ultimately going to matter, I think that's how they're looking at it at the same time with the ownership situation being what it is at the moment, it's not helping any of those whispers of their ability or rumored inability to do things. Now a 10 day is a whole lot different than trading for a guy who's going to bump your tax bill by $30 million. But at the same time, they have an open roster spot. 10 days were available and half of their team is on the injury report. So I'm, I'm not exactly sure what the downside is to at least adding guys on a 10 day to have on the back end of the roster in case another guy gets hurt or two on this road trip and you have implemented a guy because the, the, the 10 day thing, Kevin, it sort of it is what it is when you look at it from a, like signing a guy and having him play right away, but that's not really what this is. And I think more so you sign someone like this in an instance where, okay, we are not going to be getting this guy back 
at this date, this guy back at this date, and this guy back at this date. This the injuries to me, Kevin, uh, for campaign and Devin Booker especially are not going to be ones where they get someone back in, let's say, 10 days. Like, it does not seem like either of those guys are going to be back in 10 days. Cam Johnson, I I don't know. We've been, I've seen signs of progress from my very um, limited viewing uh, after shoot-around, before games, things like that. He's definitely been ramping up his conditioning, but that is a, him ramping up his conditioning is very different than someone who's been out three for three games ramping up their conditioning. It's a different process, so... I'm not willing to go too far on any speculation there. But those long-term injuries, and then, of course, the Jay Crowder thing, which is going to go for another couple of weeks here, I don't, I'm not sure I understand why they haven't signed a 10-day guy for at least right now or in the next couple of days so that if another injury or two comes, you have a guy that has at least gotten to know your system a couple of days That so when he plays, you're you're in a better position and not just signing the 10-day guy when you literally need a body to be on the court because there is no one else that's healthy enough to play. I I think that's where I'm at with 10 days and and with the open roster spot. But to your point, I wrote a ridiculous story on ArizonaSports.com about Kyle Kuzma using Hannah Montana lyrics. I wrote a (laughs) Olivia Rodrigo lead in a recap the other day, and someone like challenged it on Twitter, and I was like, oh, man, you think think that's ridiculous? Wait a second, buddy. Um, (laughs) I wrote that story and and stand by it still. I, I wrote the fact that if there is a vision, and, and I think this was a 9.2 out of 10 in terms of best case scenario for the Suns, it would be being able to trade for someone who is, you're basically just using the expiring salaries and picks and then trading for someone who can help you both in the short term and the long term. You would be signing him with the understanding that Ishbia would pay more for him in free agency than anyone else. And you would give him that money. And if that's not a thing that is under consideration right now, even known at this time, then yeah, you can't trade for him right now. It's a whole lot different than it was six weeks ago when we were talking about trading for someone on an expiring contract, for example, but the bird rights and things like that, the long-term fit for him, especially, I think that a lot of it is there. And then when you sort of reshuffle soft reset, whatever you want to call it, your team, in the off season that it seems like they, they do need to do. You have the stability of, of him there. Like you have another piece kind of already in uh, ahead of time. I, I think that's kind of what I didn't get to in, in that piece that I thought made a lot of sense about him. And I just wrote about everything in his game. We don't really need to talk about him. I think everyone by now has seen enough Kyle Kuzma or heard enough about Kyle Kuzma that they watched a, a highlight reel of him for five minutes and kind of understood what his game brings but it now kevin the 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 t word is coming up and i'm uh, like three days away from muting the word tank and tanking on my timeline i don't understand why i am i are people actually talking about tanking kevin because like tanking and and like trading being sellers at the deadline are two different things you don't have to like be so extreme about it man when you were like, hey, we should podcast and talk about this, I apparently have not been on Twitter very much because I've had like a week of like yesterday was the Cardinals firing everyone. Um, I had COVID before that. And then also I just am I'm navigating like a post having Cox cable situation. So I've just been not, I guess, around my phone or disconnected or something. And yeah, I I have no clue, man. Like, 
I'm in the mindset of like the, the really aggressive thing to do is like trade Chris Paul. So I don't, that's where I don't understand tanking in a sense of one, James Jones, isn't the person to ever do that. Right. Um, if you have Devin Booker on your roster, you do not waste time with him, right? So if we're talking about resetting, then yeah, that's that's a fair conversation. That's trying to trade Chris Paul or DeAndre in or whatever you think um, mm-hmm. is the best way to redo what's around Devin Booker. But tanking ain't it. I don't I don't know why that's even in the conversation. Like, how do you even get what? Let's go to the standings. Detroit has lost or has 11 wins. Houston has 10. Charlotte has 11. Just just, just don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Like, you can't even tip. You can't tank right now. You can't. No, it's, it's not even. Side. It's not even. Sorry to cut you off. It's not, it's not even no. about. Not even about the fact that like with where the standings are at, it has nothing to do with that. Are you supposed to roll in, roll up to Devin Booker's locker room after shoot around and be like, Hey Dev, we know that knee's feeling great, but remember what Eric Bledsoe did in your second year? Yeah. We're going to have you do like, do people understand that's what tanking means? Now, if people are saying tanking when they mean selling at the deadline and being like, yeah, if you can get a decently, protected first round pick for Jay Crowder or a lightly protected first round pick for Jay Crowder instead of the eighth man on this team this year, the Tory Craig esque kind of acquisition, then do that. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. But the notion of, of tanking quote unquote, and if by tanking do people mean trading Chris Paul, well, like trading Chris Paul, it's like a whole nother different thing. That's not necessarily tanking. I don't think that's just more so looking towards a long-term future. So I don't even know where, I just had to mention it because it's coming up so much on my timeline and it's coming up a lot of my mentions. And I, I don't know how jokingly people are sending me Wembenyama screenshots and being like, we have a 3% chance of Wembenyama. We need to take it. I can't tell like my sarcasm detector is usually pretty spot on, but it's now malfunctioning. Cause I don't really understand it. And and the whole thing is you, you can do soft resets and all that kind of thing. It, it's all well and fine. You can do some version of that but you can't just try to stop winning games. And that's what tanking is. Tanking is doing your best to put your team in a position to lose. And this team is just for a million reasons, like from the James Jones, Monty Williams sort of sphere of things. It's, it's wrong. And now there are people who are going to respond to that and say, well, like James Jones and Monty Williams aren't the right people for the job. Then I would just be I because I can see some people responding like that again, just looking at my mentions the last like week and a half. I think that's just blasphemous because I'm like, what are they going to do next year? They're going to try and win a championship next year again, obviously. So what, what for again for for three months or whatever, or for two months of just playing terrible basketball again? Uh, this conversation does change, Kevin. If Devin Booker is out for the year or something like that, like if there is season-ending injuries. Uh, to Devin Booker or to Mikel Bridges or to DeAndre Ayton or to Chris Paul, things like that, right? That's when these types of conversations actually start to come up a bit. 
but they can only go so far because at the end of the day, when they're fully healthy, they have a really, really good basketball roster still. It's just that they're so injured right now. I think that people are losing their perception a bit, to say the least, of where the team is at structurally. Yeah, I think the the big thing is we haven't reached that point where it's going to have to take a season-ending injury, like you said. And, and then, even then, I think we would see not very much of a shift in how this team operates. Like, yeah, maybe they start looking ahead next year in the salary cap. And um, that's why the the Paul and the DA things to me are just their contracts are a lot of money. So if there are ways to offload those and reset um, to give yourself salary cap relief, um, if you don't see Cam Johnson re-signing with you, um, for whatever reason, and you want to get value out of him, maybe you do that then, but I, I don't think we're there yet. And um, even a month ago, I didn't think when I was mentioning this kind of stuff, I, I, I was just thinking ahead to when that does happen. It still isn't at that point again, because I think it matters that you fight for something, right? You look at, again, I always reference James Jones and the Miami Heat, but the Miami Heat are like in the same spot and they have, they pay a lot of money to some really good players. They don't have a ton of super, superstars. Um, you can argue with me about Butler and bam, but that team is gonna not panic and just make moves to tank or to reset unless there's a really good reason. And the really good reason has to be a lot of future flexibility. It has to be a lot or a really good player or a collection of players where you're just kind of like what the Clippers did a few years ago where they went wing heavy and they made a bunch of trades, even though they didn't look competitive that year because Kawhi was down. Um, they were looking ahead to this year, right? So I think that's the kind of stuff where we could see, okay, maybe they make a philosophy shift in terms of how this roster is constructed. But in no way do I ever expect this team um, to veer into tanking. And I'm sorry for your mentions. You've mentioned to me that they're terrible sometimes, and this must be one of those times. It's just when they go through a stretch of losing, no matter what the occasion look, when they started like one and three, was it two years ago or last year? Yeah. And everyone was like, is is this it? Was it just one year? And they were they were a bit ahead on that. It's fine. Don't, don't worry about me, bud. I'm doing well. <laughs> one more thing I want to say on this before we kind of go and just kind of do what we did last episode but in a different way i would feel differently let me know if you agree or disagree i would feel differently about this kevin if the suns were in the eastern conference when i say this i don't look at anything in the in the west at anyone in the west in particular looking at these teams now would I pick the Grizzlies to beat the suns the pelicans to beat the suns right now like in, in a playoff series i, I probably would but if the Suns are fully healthy, if they're fully healthy, they have a chance of beating any of these teams in the Western Conference in a playoff series, any of them. Like, they they, they have a chance to beat them. And I'm again, I'm going to emphasize any team. Now, would I say that about the, the East, where it's the Celtics, Nets, Bucks, and Cavs at the top? Eh, I don't know if I'd go that far. Because those are, those are four excellent basketball teams. But I don't really think that the Nuggets and Grizzlies are trending in that direction. We'll see where they're at at like the 60 or 70 game mark right now. But are the Suns being underdogs against the teams that they're matching up against in the Western Conference playoff structure, uh, playoff picture, 
and the Suns having absolutely zero chance to come out of the West are two completely different things. So I think the the place where you ha- you put the line in the sand essentially is is deciding, okay, would you rather still have like a fighter's chance in the Western Conference? And the fighter's chance very well could be having to get through the play-in first. Would you rather have a fighter's chance um, in the playoffs or would you rather look ahead as much as possible and in doing so give yourself the potential the potential to land a pick in the lottery those are sort of the two things and to me it's a no-brainer when you're in the west now if you were in the east again I would start to look at it a little bit differently because I feel differently about teams like Boston Brooklyn Milwaukee and Cleveland than I do about Denver Memphis New Orleans and Dallas again I'm not saying that the Suns We'll beat we'll beat those teams in a playoff series, but I'm saying if we're talking about the the fully healthy Phoenix Suns that we've lost sight of because they lost Cam Johnson eight games into the year, and and who knows? I would assume Kevin that the Jay Crowder trade is still going to be a trade that is for someone that is going to help them win basketball games this season and not for assets. That is where I'm still veering. So assuming they get that guy in and they add that guy to this team and it's it's I, I still believe they're going to go after they're looking for a bigger deal because then it doesn't make sense why it took so long to trade Jay Crowder then. But they still have a pretty decent chance of beating these teams in a playoff series. And I think that the shift in mindset should start getting there is what I'm saying. Do, are you, are you following? Are you picking up what I'm putting down? Yeah. I mean, I think this kind of stuff takes care of itself just because, look, if the injuries end up being long and that bad, then this team is going to be in the lottery. Um, that That's possible. I don't know. But if this team does get healthy, I think it'll be for whatever was ailing them and their effort levels and their connectiveness um, when those guys were around, I think that they'll click into being very urgent as soon as they are healthy. And so when Devin Booker comes back, for example, I think it'll just snap them into a certain spot. I think when Cam Johnson comes back, I think it will snap them up and kind of give them a huge boost and suddenly everything will feel easier. And then that defense that they've been trying to work on, if you keep working on that through this period, if that's there and the offense suddenly starts coming just because you have a floor spacer, you have guys who can dribble, then... I think that's one way to kind of rid yourself of whatever this ick was um, leading into this. So I don't know. I I think that's maybe I'm being too optimistic after we talked about their flaws and all that and struggling to understand why things weren't working, but I don't know. There's, there's no reason if you're James Jones to like really let this change your thinking, I think. Yeah, I just sort of did a thought exercise and kind of looked back to past standings and stuff and just looking at past teams in the league. And you just kind of look at like a couple of years ago, Kevin, in like 2017, 18. And this is hard because Chris Paul's on the Rockets now. But that 65-win Rockets team and that Warriors team, you know, if you're looking at that at the top of the Western Conference right now, I would understand the doom and gloom. Believe me, yeah. there's there's nothing like that in their way right now. There's not. So the the parody and stuff, James was on Burns and Gambo was talking about the parody and stuff, but I think that he was 
leaning in this kind of direction when he was trying to say that. I think he was trying to sort of say, like, parody is is our friend, but he was also kind of saying it in a way where, like, the Western Conference is just completely up for grabs right now. The favorite in the Western Conference, it seems to change on a week-to-week basis, whether people like the Grizzlies all of a sudden. It was the Pelicans were the trendy pick like three weeks ago. Now everyone's getting on the Nuggets train because it seems like these this version of the Nuggets team is finally sort of getting there and they've still got Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr. Not quite where they want them to be, but I I think that's kind of where they are to your point, Kevin, where if everyone comes back healthy and they kind of get on the same page, looking at January 28th specifically as a date, they've got San Antonio, Toronto, Atlanta, Boston, Detroit, Brooklyn, Atlanta, Indiana, Sacramento, Clippers, Thunder, Bucks, Hornets, and the Bulls. So that is a five week stretch where the only truly really good to great teams that they play are Boston, Brooklyn. And if you want to throw the Clippers in there, sure, probably not. Uh, and then the Kings and then the Bucks. Yeah. If you want to throw the Kings <laughs> in there, go ahead. Uh, and then the Bucks. So they really only have like three or four games over this, like 10 to 15 game. I think that's 15 games right there. A 15 game stretch where they play against like truly really good to great teams. And that could be when their guys start to get healthy and, I'm I'm in that mindset right now, Kevin, and willing to be proven wrong. So I, I am looking at once they get healthy, okay, can they start to piece some things together? Can they start to get back to playing winning basketball consistently? Can they get five, ten games over 500 like we expect them to kind of be? Because that's the kind of stretch they quite honestly should go on when they're fully healthy. And, and that sort of portion of the schedule is pretty generous to them there is a it is an east coast road trip mixed in there but it is it is fairly generous i, I will say after the gauntlet that they've gone through that they're in the middle of going through right now that started all the way back um like three weeks ago really or a month ago i should say that though two uh it was the dallas boston new orleans new orleans that was like the start of this all the way back on december 5th when they this 14 of 18 losing stretch occurred all right buddy you got any fun plans this week? What are you doing? You going to watch Jalen Carter tape? What's the deal? Yeah. Yeah. I think I am. Congrats to me. Um, uh, I'm probably going to write more. I wrote the Jalen McDaniels son's interest thing today. The Gambo immediately shot down as he likes to do. Um, I think this is just like, They'll, they'll be in a good spot with Jay Crowder because everyone's just going to be calling them and putting stuff on the table and then trade deadline's going to hit. And they'll be like, all right, we have like 20 offers here. What's the one that we want to do? So, yeah, I, I think that's going to keep happening and for the next month and then they might do stuff on the trade deadline or not. But they should probably trade Jay Crowder at least. Yeah, uh, we should start mentioning Dario too. He's on an expiring deal. So yeah. if you can use his expiring deal kind of in any way, uh, you should want to. Steph Curry in tonight, by the way. So uh, if you well, want to put the kid down early, Kev, and get some nice sleep for your 7 a.m. shift tomorrow, I don't think anyone <laughs> listening will judge you. I'm sure uh, if there's one reason to stay up, it's on TNT. So I'm sure Charles, Kenny, and Shaq will be making their jokes at halftime and afterward about uh, Oh, yeah. Having- so Twitter will be a healthy place to be tonight is what you're saying. Super healthy. Oh, I'll be there. I'll be there. (laughs) Whether I like it or not, I'll be there. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. See you then.